0: Hey everybody, I'm Jen Garrett and I've used my move the ball system to help thousands of people to think and execute like a pro athlete when it comes to business and branding. Now I'm on a mission to help you utilize the same tools and strategies to elevate your hustle and get you across the goal line. So get ready. It's time to suit up, to show up and to move the ball. Hey everyone, Jen Garrett here. It's great to be back with you for another episode of Move the Ball. If this is your first time listening, welcome. And if you've been a part of the Move the Ball movement for quite some time, I'm glad that you are here with us today. This episode is part of my special coaches series where I'm having conversations with Division I college football head coaches, assistant head coaches, and also coaches from the NFL. If you've been a regular listener to the show, you know that I've had professional and college coaches on in the past and not just football, but this season I wanted to do a special series as I think it's important to showcase coaches' perspectives and Why is this? Well, for me, it's because you've heard me say this before. It's very different being a player than being a coach. And as coaches, as leaders, they play an influential role for their team, their colleagues, fellow coaches, as well as for their athletes. Not that the players don't have an influence, too, but it's different and it's a different role. So that's why I wanted to do this series, and especially as leaders off the field, we also have to be coaches who enable our teams, empower them, and make sure we position everyone for success and have them playing in the right positions to be able to move that ball. So that's why I'm doing this series. Again, I'm really excited for the show. For today's episode, I've got a special guest with us inside the huddle and ready to help us to move the ball is Coach Brent Brennan. Coach Brennan is currently the head football coach at San Jose State University, where he is going into his fifth season. Coach Brennan played college football as a wide receiver at UCLA. He started his coaching career coaching high school football, moved on to being a GA, a graduate assistant, for three years. And throughout his college coaching career, he's coached at several programs, including Cal Poly, being a position coach at San Jose State, as well as Oregon State. And then he returned to San Jose State as the head coach in 2017. Coach Brennan, Welcome to the show.
1: Hey, Jen. How are you doing? Thanks for having me.
0: Well, thank you so much for being here with us today. And as a podcast host, I'm always thinking about what's the best question that I can ask to lead off the show? And of course, I had some ideas because I do prepare for my shows. But as I'm sitting here in Tampa, I was messaging with a player on the Bucks just a few minutes ago, and I started thinking about, you know what? I'm going to take things in a different direction. I'm going to call an audible, as they like to say. So I'm going to just kick off our chat by asking you, why football? People ask me this question all the time. I fell in love with the game when I was four. And so I want to know from you, what was it about football that made you excited about it, made you want to play as well as devote your career to coaching?
1: Well, I think for me, first with football is I immediately, as a young person, grew up watching it. My dad played. I had a lot of family members that played college football. I loved going to games with my dad. I loved watching games with my dad. Went to many many San Jose State football games because my dad was a football alum here so I grew up running around the parking lot and running around the grass fields here playing catch and just have awesome memories of that and then when I got to high school I was excited to play it's not as big as it used to be but Monday night football used to be the best night of the week you got football on a Monday on a weekday I remember me and all my friends talking about the game all day and rushing home to watch Monday night football and then as I got older and started to play more I love the brotherhood. I love the camaraderie. I love just how it felt being part of that team that really pushed me to go this route. Just I I had great coaches in, in high school and college and people that seemed to really enjoy their work and seemed to really do it the right way. Just made huge impressions on me as I got into it. Just the idea that I firmly believe football is the greatest team game ever created because no one person is going to be able to take over a game everybody depends on everybody on every single play to move the ball down the field or to stop it. So that's where it came from.
0: Absolutely. There are so many parallels between life and football. And you're right. I think football is the greatest sport that teaches so many life lessons. There's obviously you can learn lessons from other sports as well, but football, there's something about it that I've just taken so many lessons away from the game and applied in my own life off the field to be successful. So let's talk about you playing football at UCLA. As a young man playing college football, Was there someone that was kind of an influential coach that really ingrained some lessons in your head that you've taken with you throughout your life into your coaching career to be successful?
1: Well, I think it's important, first of all, that I make sure your audience knows that I was not a good player. I was not. There are people much better and much more talented than me playing at UCLA. But I was fortunate because we all got coached by the same people. And so on that staff, our head coach was Terry Donahue, who's Hall of Fame coach and just an incredible human being. Our offensive coordinator was Homer Smith, who was just an offensive legend and an incredible teacher. And then my position coach was Rick Neuheisel, who was a great technical teacher. He had a lot of fun ways about him. He was fun to play for. He was exciting to play for. He had great energy at practice. And so those were the guys that really kind of got me started and got me thinking about would I like to go this route?
0: And you mentioned that you're not a great player, you don't have to be a great player to be a great coach. And also, great players don't always make great coaches, too. They're very different roles as well. And so I wanted to ask you your transition from being a player to a coach. Talk to us about, in your mind, how is it different being a coach and being successful as a coach, looking after your team, growing your players as a team? It's not just one person focusing on their individual performance at that point.
1: Absolutely. As you transition into coaching the game, you gain a much better understanding. Of how everybody's all connected and how everybody uniquely depends on each other every single play. That was part of my growth, especially early as a coach, was getting involved in all three phases of the football game: offense, defense, special teams, understanding the importance and the impact of the special teams on the outcome of football games and field position. It was a fun journey. When I was a graduate assistant, I worked for great people on great staffs at Hawaii and University of Washington and University of Arizona. A lot of those people also kind of helped shape me and kind of pushed me in the direction I wanted to go as a coach as I learned and grew and developed my process and my technique.
0: Sure. And you actually served under the legendary Wildcat head coach, the late Dick Tomey. Can you share with us, was there anything that you learned from him that has really helped you in your position now as being a head coach at San Jose State?
1: Dick Tomey was absolutely the most influential person on me as I was coming up in the coaching ranks. I I worked for him at Arizona in 2000 and then at San Jose State from 2005 to 2010. Just an incredible human being, an awesome coach, a great guy to be around. And that relationship lasted until when he passed away a couple years ago. I was honored to speak at his funeral along with a lot of other coaches and special people in his life. But my relationship with Coach Tony was ongoing. It never ended. Even when we were going through our first few years here that were really tough, we talked every Sunday about the game, about the program, what I was doing, the decisions I was making. It was so fun. And the biggest thing I got from him, he would say it all the time is that football's not complicated. People are. And Coach Tony always had me and our teams leaning into each other and working on the brotherhood and the team building aspect of it, which has been a huge part of our success here so far.
0: And share with us the difference between being focused as a position coach being versus a head coach. I mean, obviously it's a broader scope of responsibility, right? When you're shifting from that position coach to head, but was there any eye-opening lessons or things that kind of went in your mind? It's like, okay, now that I'm head coach, I need to be focused on the holistic picture. It's different. Can you talk to us about that transition?
1: Yeah, it's really, really challenging. I think that In the profession of coaching, there's no real steps to take. I think people naturally assume, like, oh, well, you go and you're a position coach and then you're a coordinator, then you could be a head coach. But none of those steps really prepare you for the situation you're in when you become a head coach. You go from being responsible for 15, 16 people to being responsible for 150. And again, back to Coach Tomy's football's not complicated. People are all of a sudden you're managing. Adults, you're managing professionals and you're managing young men ages 17 to 23, roughly. And all of a sudden, there's so much more to worry about or so much more to consider with the decisions you make and how you try and build a program. It's an incredible journey and it's also an incredibly challenging journey. I mean, some of my best and more often worst days of my professional career came in those first few years when I was a head coach here at San Jose State.
0: And you mentioned people and you got different personalities. And I think whether you're coaching a football team and a football program, or you're just a business leader or someone that's leading a team off the field, I mean, you have to manage the people and those personalities, and your style has to adapt depending on who it is you're interacting with. Can you talk just about kind of how you deal with different personalities and what your approach is? Well, I think
1: always with me, it comes from a place of love. I mean, do you really care about people or not? I think. In our profession, you can find both nowadays, people that are really in tune with the players and the coaches on their team and in their program and people that see it as a real business. And I tend to lean on the coach Tommy side of it's all about the people and how much you care about them and how much you can give and how much you can serve the young men you're charged with. And that's where my whole focus has always been, even as an assistant coach, that's the place that I always felt the most comfortable operating from. Every day is a challenge and every person brings a new set of Skills, talents, insecurities, issues to the table. And so finding a way to work through that, building some structure that is consistent and simple, where people can still be themselves and still do their jobs and still enjoy the process, but also understand that there's some structure to it that we have to maintain so that we can move forward together is the challenge of it.
0: As a coach, not everything goes as planned in a football game, in life, in business. And so we have to adapt, we adjust. Sometimes we have to encourage our teammates and our athletes because they may have fumbled the ball, so to speak. And so when one of your players has a misstep or a mistake, how do you help pick that player back up and get them back on track? And I'm not just talking about in a football game, but you can take that in they make a poor decision off the field, they make a poor decision on the field, they drop the ball. Take that question however you want, but how do you keep them in the game motivated to continue to move forward?
1: Well, I think that's the question is just how do you help them move forward in the moment when they've either made a mistake on or off the field? How do you best support them in the process of trying to help them grow and develop into better young men, into better football players, into better students? That part of it back to like caring about young people and building that trust that you can have those conversations and you can help them move forward and they trust that you have their best interests at heart is where it has to be. And that's where I want to live all the time, our program here. So as you're negotiating that, as you're trying to figure that out and how you want to handle those things, every situation is different. Every young person that, you, that drops a pass or gets beaten coverage or whatever, you're dealing with a different person. So you have to have a really good feel for everybody individually. And then how you need to address those situations that also continue to serve the program and the whole team.
0: Sure. So let's talk for a minute about this last season. The 2020 season was one like many will say none other just because of COVID and having to navigate through this world of uncertainty, not knowing they're going to be college football, is there not? Talk to us about the San Jose State football journey through last year. And as a leader, as a coach, it's also important during times like COVID and where the world is just completely unsure of what's going to happen. Leaders have to step up, they have to rise, and they have to lead their team through that uncertainty. So talk to us about that journey for you and your football team.
1: Well, I mean, it was an incredible one. And it was obviously really challenging when we were maybe a quarter of a way or a third of a way through spring practice when they shut down everything here at San Jose State, and we had to send everybody home. And so that part was intimidating because you're sitting there going, okay, how do we keep us together? How do we keep building our team? How do we keep moving forward, even though we can't be together? And so we had to get really creative with what we did and communicated. And it was a lot of what we're doing right now is a lot of Zoom. We were fortunate to have great speakers come on. We had Kyle Shanahan from the 49ers. We had John Gruden from the Raiders, former NFL players, current NFL players, other leaders in business. It was always trying to continue to educate our players and also continue to find ways to get them to engage in a personal level. We stopped text messaging. We made everything phone call or FaceTime communication so that we can still have some of that personal face-to-face communication. On top of that, we had leading up to the football season, we were going into the incredible polarizing election. We had Black Lives Matter and social justice conversations. And so we had all those conversations on Zoom face-to-face We broke it down. It got heartfelt. It got intense. And we found a way to get everybody to keep talking and keep having the conversation. And I think that really brought us together. And when we came back for the start of our season, so to speak, our guys reported on July 14th. They had to wear masks. They had to sequester. They had to get tested every three times a week. It was really a much different world that they returned to it was not college as they knew it. It wasn't, they didn't have any of the fun. They couldn't go out and get dinner. They couldn't go to a movie. They couldn't go out on a date. The world was so upside down for them. And so we chose to really lean into each other during that time. And as we were doing that and getting closer and closer to the start of the season, then you also end up having, they pushed it back. We went from starting September 1st to starting September 24th. And five days after that, they canceled the season or or postponed it to the spring. And so there are all these moments that were just really devastating to the players and the staff and everyone that feels passionately about college football or who's intimately involved. And how do you keep moving forward? At that time, we decided to keep our players here on campus because we felt like it was a better, safer environment for them to be in as they were continuing to do Zoom classes and train so that we could stay together and we can have some of that. The training was much different. We were training in groups of, I think, 12 at the time was the regulations from our county and in trying to find a way to keep moving forward, even though it felt like outside the world was falling apart, how do we turn in, focus on us, and keep our programming and our players moving forward so that if we do get to play, we are ready?
0: Well, I really like you talking about focusing on the players, and I love that it wasn't about text messages, but it was about Keeping that human connection, having the FaceTime, having the Zoom so you could have the quasi in-person interaction because we couldn't all be together. And I think that's so important. And I've talked to a lot of business leaders who have done the same because people are people at the end of the day. and You need to have those connections so that you can still feel like you're part of the team to be able to keep those bonds strong and to that unity, if you will, and to move the ball forward. Were there any players that you would point to who are instrumental in trying to just keep their teammates energized and going through this whole environment?
1: When the season got restarted, like I give credit to our whole team, our players are incredibly resilient and optimistic. The season was canceled and then six weeks later, they're like, oh no, you have a game in a month. And we had this incredible collaboration from our administration, our president, our athletic director. We weren't allowed to practice in our county. So we had to move our entire program to Humboldt County at Humboldt State University, and we had to have a training camp there. And so our players were amazing. We were in Humboldt for maybe two weeks, maybe a little longer. We couldn't leave the dorm. They couldn't go anywhere. We basically went to practice in the morning. We came home went to class on Zoom in the afternoon, and then we had study hall at night. And the players, all of them were just incredible, just how they continued to push forward. The excitement for them to be back together in person as a team was magical. It was incredible. The first practice we started, I brought them all together. I gave them a couple of thoughts for the day, and then I broke them out. And our football operations guy, Ben Thienis, hits the music, And the players went crazy. They were dancing, hugging, crying. I looked at our strength coach. He said, I don't know if you'll get them back today. So it just spoke to that connection, the magic of football. It was just the energy and the excitement to be back together in person and having a chance to prepare for a game was the incredible moment on this journey of climbing the mountain.
0: Absolutely. And you led the Mountain West Conference last year, 7-0 conference record. Is there anything else that, I mean, obviously there's talent, the team stuck together. Is there anything else in your mind that you felt was really a key to success for last season?
1: Well, I think our Friday night meetings, we definitely shifted gears a little bit and it started in shelter in place, but everything became more about supporting the players, caring for one another. Our Friday night meetings were all team building exercises. There wasn't any football. Everybody was hurting. By the time we Started playing our first game. Our players hadn't seen their families for almost three months. They weren't allowed to because we had to protect our bubble. So that was just incredibly complicated. Those team building sessions were really powerful. I mean, there was a lot of laughter, tears, hugging. Sometimes I would schedule them for a half hour, 45 minutes. They'd go for an hour, hour and a half. And the players would be like, no, coach, let us go. This is good. I think that was a big part of it. I spoke to the resiliency. We to moved to Humboldt for training camp, and then we came back. We had a game canceled at Boise, and, and when we landed, we found out we couldn't practice in San Jose anymore. And so our last two games were supposed to be home games, and we had to play them on the road. We had to move our entire thing. We went to Hawaii to play a home game. It was the hottest football game of all time, but we found a way to win, which was fantastic. And then we got on the red eye, and we flew to Las Vegas, and we lived in Las Vegas for two weeks. Prepared for our last game against Nevada, and the winner of that game got to go to the conference championship. So we were fortunate for that. And then we stayed in Las Vegas. It was Groundhog Day. Every day, wake up, practice. Our players were in finals. It was such an intense time. And their resiliency, their commitment to each other, their commitment to the team was so special and so fun to watch and so amazing to be a part of it. And then to finally play Boise in the big game for the conference championship and play well. And when the game was just this incredible journey from start to finish of all kinds of ups and downs, you talked about football earlier, getting knocked down, getting back up, finding a way to move forward when things were so hard all around you. So all in all, it was just an incredible experience
0: football teaches you that lesson to be resilient, to adapt, to adjust, You just find a way. So that's one reason why I've loved the sport ever since I was a kid. So just a couple questions before we wrap the show. So you've got a number of guys that are currently playing in the NFL that you personally have coached, such as Josh Oliver, who's a tight end with the Ravens. Bailey Gaither just got picked up. He's a wide receiver signed as an undrafted free agent. Like when you look at guys that have been a part of your program and have now gone, into the league what is it about them that a makes them special and what advice would you give them so that they can continue to succeed at the next level
1: i've been really fortunate to coach a lot of good players that have had a chance to continue playing beyond college and the one key component to all of them is just an incredible work ethic and that sounds so cliche it's not an accident that those guys are on that level that league doesn't work that way. That league is not forgiving. If you get to where you are in the NFL and you don't work harder than everybody on the field, if you don't study your playbook and know what to do, if you don't stay on the right side or right, you're not going to be in that league very long. And so we're really proud of those guys, proud of all the guys that we have the good fortune to coach here. And to be honest with you, I'm just as excited about the players that we're coaching now or coaching the last few years that have moved on to life in some other capacity in the professional world as an adult, those guys getting jobs through our Beyond Football program. And I love the idea of chasing the NFL dream for every player that plays college football. But here, I also love the fact that we have a great program in Beyond Football that helps our young men kind of build a career path and start to get them on a roadmap that's going to give them a chance to build a life whenever football is done. And so I'm just as excited for the guys that are graduating from school and starting lives as adults. How's it for the guys in the
0: NFL? Absolutely, yeah. Not everybody's going to be a pro athlete, but we should all be all-stars and pros in whatever profession it is we go into beyond college. And I know that you and the coaching staff there are very focused on helping your players to succeed no matter where they go, which is fantastic. So what I want to do now to end our show is I want to take you through my two-minute drill. going to ask you some fun questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right, first question is, what did you want to be when you were 10 years old?
1: I wanted to be a pro basketball player when I was 10 years old.
0: Okay. How about who would play you in a movie about your life?
1: That's a great question. I don't know. <laughs> I, that, that, I don't know that. Someone else asked me that. I don't I don't have a fun or sexy answer. I guess anyone would be just fine with me. Huh?
0: Okay. <laughs> okay. How about what's your favorite vacation spot?
1: Donner Lake in Truckee, California by Tahoe. Like
0: oh, nice. How about what's your favorite ice cream flavor?
1: That's a good one. I, I would say... I can be a vanilla guy. If it's good vanilla, that'll probably be it. Sometimes maybe get into the gelato game, which I'm a fan of. So gelato, something coffee or mocha, some kind of flavor like that.
0: Okay. Gelato is good too. Yes. How about, what is a pet peeve of yours?
1: When I'm coaching a player and he walks away before I'm done talking.
0: Oh, yes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't happen as much with guys on our team. But it does happen a lot with young people when they come to our camps and whatnot. It doesn't happen to me. It happens to all coaches. But you're sitting there like, hey, I'm actually trying to help you. You just got beat or the rep you took didn't go the way you wanted. And so I'm trying to give you some tools or a thought process to help you have success the next time you go. And they're kind of inching away from you or walking away.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I gotcha. How about what book are you currently reading or what podcast are you currently listening to?
1: I'm currently reading Atomic Habits. Awesome. So far, I read a ton. I love it. I'm also a big podcaster. Anytime I can consume anything that I think is going to help move our program forward or make me a better man or a better husband or a better leader, I'm all for it. I listen to like 50 different podcasts. Kind of in your space, I really love Yogi Ross, How Great is Ball. Just I know Yogi. He and I knew him when I was coaching in the Pac-12 and I think his podcast has a great perspective. He has interesting people on there, current players, former players. And he's always kind of like you are. He's just always talking about like how great is the game of football, which obviously I
0: love. Great. Yeah, I'll have to check out Yogi's podcast. I haven't listened to that one yet. So definitely going to check it out and encourage others to check it out too. Now, my last question is you're hosting a dinner party and you can invite three famous people. They can be living or deceased. Who would you choose and why?
1: Okay, I would choose Dick Tomey, and I think for reasons I've already mentioned, and and because I don't get to talk to him anymore, and I don't get to hear his voice or hearing him chew me out after we got too many penalties at Hawaii three years ago, some stuff like that. It would be Dr. Dre because his music was kind of the anthem of my formative years, and just intrigued by just the whole story. I think it's fascinating all the way from the start to where it is today. It's just a really interesting story. Yes. And I'm okay. I just think this sounds like cliche, but I love the idea of people that had to find a way to lead when it didn't look like there was a way forward. And I don't think anyone did it better than he did.
0: Oh, that's a great answer. And three great choices. Well, Coach Brennan, thank you so much for being on the show. Tell people where can they follow you or the San Jose football program? Just keep apprised of your journey.
1: I'm at Coach Brennan on Twitter and we are at SJSU Spartan FB on Twitter. Those are the easiest places. We got an incredible group that does all of our social media stuff. And so the story of San Jose State football is out there to see. It's They've done an incredible job kind of telling our stories. I love what Cam Radford and Ryan O'Rourke do for us. It's, it's It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of
0: fun. Perfect. Yeah, we'll have your social links in the show notes so people can follow you and the football program. And thank you again so much for being on the show today.
1: Jen, I really enjoyed it. Thanks a lot. It's great to meet you.
0: Thanks. And thanks to everyone for listening to today's episode. And we will catch you next time. Until then, make sure that you suit up, you show up, and you move the ball. Thank you for listening to Move the Ball.